This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Hello, everyone. Uh, ben Sadler here, continuing our Wednesday morning's uh, deeper dive. We're continuing this sermon series on... Um, called, or we actually finished it up, Pastor Kevin Hunley finished up our sermon series uh, called Who Told You That? And the whole point of this sermon series is about uh, going after things that might challenge your faith. You know, so so the question is, who told you that? Uh, the reality that all of us are hearing lots of things about Christianity. We're hearing lots of things about um, faith. And maybe you've heard some things like, Oh, Christianity is oppressive towards women, or Christianity, um, uh, Christians uh, have have been, you know, um, harmful throughout history, or, or Christianity is anti-women, or or how can you believe in a God if there's so much suffering? All these kinds of things. We want to go after these things that maybe you've heard about, maybe you heard it said these kinds of things. So, um, we're, we finish up that sermon series now. Uh, before I get into my prayer, as people kind of join online and, and join for the conversation, just wanted to point out a couple books that I've read over the years that have been helpful for uh, as I tried to defend the faith, understand the faith. Um, here, here's one of them, um, How Christianity Changed the World. Uh, it might be backwards for you, but How Christianity Changed the World by Alvin Schmidt. Uh, he just goes through documenting how um, how Christians have had a positive influence. Uh, and because of some of the things that we're going to talk about today, how Christians have had a positive influence, that we don't need to look historically uh, at Christianity with embarrassment. I'm sure there, there, there are a few things like the Crusades and a few moments where, where people were not acting in line with their faith. They were using Christianity to abuse people and hurt people. But in most places, in most things, Christianity was a cause for the good. Christians started orphanages. Christians started human rights. We'll talk about that today. Christians uh, started hospitals. Christians looked after the poor. All these things didn't come out of Roman culture. All these, None of these things came out of Greek culture. They're uniquely Christian. And so that's a great book, uh, How Christianity Changed the World. Also, Tom Holland wrote a book called Dominion. I'm finishing that book up and just a history of uh, of Christianity. He himself wasn't a Christian, but as he continued to research Christianity, Tom Holland uh, is becoming more and more um, a believer uh, in Christianity. Another one that I've read recently that was really helpful is uh, Is God a Moral Monster? If you're reading through the Old Testament and you've really struggled to understand, you know, how could God uh, seemingly command genocide? How could God be so, uh, uh, you know, seeming angry or whatever in the Old Testament? Or why did we have some of these laws about slavery or about women's roles or things like that? Uh, this book can be really helpful. Understand the historical context of the Old Testament. Paul Copen is his name. Paul Copen um, is God a moral monster? Um, now, as we think about apologetics, like this whole sermon series, uh, who told you that? Uh, Defending Our Faith, a, a classic book of, by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity is kind of the classic uh, defense of the faith written in the 19, uh, late 1940s, early 1950s. 
uh, by C.S. Lewis, who himself used to be an atheist and then became a Christian. Um, and so, uh, so that, that, that's pretty cool. Another book that I found really helpful I used during this sermon series as kind of a reference is uh, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. The Reason for God for T by Tim Keller. So, hey, he's, hey uh, Sandra Bono, great for, thanks for joining us. Um, the Reason for God by, by Tim Keller is a great book on answering difficult qu questions. Uh, Tim Keller was a pastor in New York City and he, over the last uh, two, three decades, and he really had to answer these difficult questions as he kind of wanted to reach the, the kind of the skeptical uh, person uh, in, in New York City. So that, that's a fantastic book. Then uh, we had a professor who wrote uh, two books a while back, very similar to The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Uh, Mark Paulson wrote Prepared to Answer and then an, another book, More Prepared to Answer. Similar ideas, you know, all these these books really answer the question, you know, why would a good God allow suffering? Um, you know, isn't God against women? Um, it, you know, how Christians have done horrible things. All these kind of challenges. So these are great books, Prepared to Answer and More Prepared to Answer. So great. I'm seeing some people pop on. This has kind of become everybody's morning Wednesday morning routine. So thank you so much for, for joining us. I was just doing a couple book reviews uh, as people are joining and uh, why don't I start with prayer? Um, you know, if you have a friend that you think might enjoy our discussion today as we talk about um, the challenges of isn't God um, uh, against, uh, you know, too judgmental when it comes to sex as we kind of take a deeper dive into Pastor Kevin Hunley's sermon. If you know somebody who might be benefit from this topic, you know, feel free to, to send, some, uh, send a message to people and, uh, and let's, let's get going here. All right. Why don't I uh, why don't I say a prayer? I'm just kind of getting my other screen up so I can see your comments. And uh, all right, let's let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word, and uh, we pray that you would bless our conversation today. That we have some interaction that would bring glory to your name, um, and and pray that we would. We'd be stronger Christians because we are more confident in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Hey, welcome, Aaron. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Tim. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. Uh, so good to have everybody here. I love doing this. This is this is really a great deal. So feel free to, to comment if there are things that you're, uh, you know, I have questions on as we kind of dive deeper into Pastor Kevin Hunley's sermon. So in our last sermon in this series, uh, Who Told You That?, we wanted to talk about this reality that, that some people look at Christianity as being very judgmental, especially when it comes to sex and sexuality. I mean, this is the topic. This is the issue for many people is sex and sexuality. And, um, you know, it seems like many people, when it comes to some of these, these taboo topics, think that they have maybe a gotcha moment um, that um, th that that oh the Bible is old-fashioned the Bible is wrong on this topic so gotcha um, this is why I don't believe the Bible because the Bible is judgmental on sex sexuality homosexuals all those kinds of things and a lot of times it's just because we have a a superficial view of the Bible um, when you actually dive deep into the Bible um, 
we actually can have complete confidence uh, that the Bible actually is the best way to promote human rights. The Bible is the best way to live a, a, a life of freedom and yet a life um, that is moral and, and, uh, and, and life-giving. So, so Pastor Kevin Hunley, I think, did a great job. You can look at the sermon on the archives. He did a great job of kind of laying the issues out on the table. That right now there is this idea in in our world um, that tolerance is the highest virtue, and if you don't tolerate everybody's view, especially when it comes to uh, sexuality, you know, if you're intolerant or judgmental, that's like the worst thing that ends all conversation. That um, that that really shuts people down, and so you know, maybe. maybe most clearly since like the 1960s, 1970s, you know, there was this idea, let's get out of the restraints of Christianity. Let's have, let, let, let's do whatever we want when it comes with our bodies sexually. And there was no more boundaries when it comes to sexuality. Let's just experiment with everything. And, and we thought as a, as a nation, as a culture that, that, um, you know, that, that, that kind of free love, no boundaries was going to make, give us freedom. And then we started seeing, man, this was this is not giving us freedom. This is actually causing enslavement, um, in, enslavement of, of 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 guilt and shame, enslavement of disease, enslavement of of, of single parents without without uh, you know without the, the the surrounding family, and all these things that we thought would give us freedom actually have caused all sorts of problems, um, especially also when it comes to. Uh, feelings of abuse or things like that. And so casting off any restraint of Christianity when it comes to sexuality, we thought would make us free. But it's like one illustration I heard. Um, a train is not free when it goes off the tracks. A train is free when it's on the tracks, when it has these guardrails. That's when it can really... Um, speed and that's when it has the freedom to go uh, to go fast and and that's the same thing when it comes to sexuality freedom is not casting off all the restraints of of of, of how God designed sex and sexuality it's actually when you stay on the rails of how God designed it um, that's when you really have freedom but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself so so maybe um, for for you who are are popping on um, is there any have you heard this idea? That uh, that that Christianity is is too judgmental when it comes to sex and sexuality. Have you have you heard that? What are some other things that maybe you've heard around this topic? Uh, maybe some things that you're challenged with or you 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 question. Uh, I welcome any kind of comments when it comes to that. Uh, happy to kind of answer it as we go. But maybe I just keep talking about. Um, just kind of make my way way through this. So again, let's go back 1960s, 1970s. Let's just get leave all restraints. Christianity is the problem. Let's let's not have any of these old fashioned ideas that marriage is between one man, one woman. That that, that marriage is the safe place for for sex and sexuality. Let's get rid of that. That's what many people are saying in the 70s, 60s, and 70s. Fast forward to the 2000s. Um, all of a sudden, you know, we started seeing a bunch of problems. 
sexually transmitted diseases, all you know, AIDS, uh, unwanted pregnancies. And so the line changed. It wasn't let's keep uh, sex inside of a marriage. Uh, the line changed. Let's just make sure it's consensual. Let's just make sure it's protected, uh, protected sex. And that, that, that will be the new line of what's good and moral. And then, uh, you know, last five, seven years, there was the Me Too movement uh, because of the Har Harvey Weinstein um, scandal and, um, and the Bill Cosby scandal. All of those kind of things where, where, where men were using sex as this, this oppressive uh, thing to take advantage of women. Something that's been going on, obviously, since for thousands of years since the beginning of time. But all of a sudden, I think what, what started happening is we started questioning again, maybe this idea of free love, free sex, open, uh, open relationships, maybe this wasn't the best thing. And so now there's kind of been this, this although people don't recognize it, a return to biblical view of morality when it comes to sex um, that, that, that they're, they're kind of... Um, implanting or, or, or having a higher ethic um, than even the Bible says, or not, not necessarily a higher ethic, but, but actually more oppressive ethic. Um, what's going on now is because we don't have the Bible to give us the guardrails, now it's anything that really offends people, um, anything that, that, um, anything that, that, that challenges people when it comes to sex or sexuality, and so now there is this this attack on on when it comes to to Christian uh, to sexuality. Um, what what the problem is is because there's not a clear morality from a, a higher source. It's all whatever offends people that becomes what's wrong. Um, so. Whatever offends people becomes the new morality, especially when it comes to sexuality. If, if what you're saying offends me, then you're wrong. Um, there's no other source like the Bible. And actually, it's becoming more uh, uh, oppressive. Um, it's actually becoming more judgmental than ever when it comes to sex and sexuality, um, depending on what, what side you fall on, because there isn't a clear morality coming from God's word. So hopefully that's making sense. Um, you know, there was, again, there was this idea in the 60s and 70s, free love, you know, everything goes, no restraints. And now it's, it's swung to the other side where there's this super heightened, um, uh, uh, people are offended uh, by, by, by your view or whatever the other view is when it comes to sex and sexuality. And there's this kind of um, outrage. And so it's gone from free love to outrage. And, and the Bible actually is the only way I believe that you can have a clear idea of what sex is for, uh, and what it's all about. So let's go back to the Bible and see what the Bible actually says. And we're we're going to find out it's not judgmental when it comes to sex and sexuality. It's actually life-giving. It's actually uh, something that, that is so, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's liberating and, 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 and gives us a, a way to go forward. So all morality... All biblical morality, I think, can be found in the first page of the Bible in its nutshell kind of form. Um, and it gives us really the foundation of morality. And that's in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where God has created the whole world. He's created the plants and the animals. And then on the sixth day, he says, 
Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number Fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And he says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree and the whole earth that, um, that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life, and I give every green plant for food, and it was so. So... This is the grounds of all morality, that human beings were created in the image of God. They're different than animals. And so because human beings were created in the image of God, and it specifically says male and female, they are to be given a special dignity and respect. They're different than the animals. Now, you're not going to, and, 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 and so the, the idea behind that is, Every human being, no matter what color, no matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what age, no matter what mental capacities, no matter what gifts, no matter um, any of those things, if you are a human being, you deserve protection because you're made in the image of God. And that's what gives us biblical morality. Uh, when it comes to almost every other ethical issue, if you start there, that, that, that we were created to reflect God. We were created to love God and love people because people were made in the image of God. That gives you morality. You're not going to find that um, outside of Christianity. Outside of Christianity, if you look at, you know, Dar Darwinian evolution, well, we're just evolved animals. And so either you shouldn't kill animals and eat them. Or um, you, or how do you define um, if it's wrong or right to kill a person? Because you look out at nature and it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. You know, people, animals are killing each other. Why can't we do that? You're not going to get this idea of human rights, um, that humans deserve protection. Uh, humans should not be sexually abused any, or physically abused, emotionally abused. Um, you're not going to get that from Darwinian evolution. You're not going to get it from other religions. There's not... Um, there's not a basis for it. There's not a basis for it, except in the Bible, on the first page of the Bible, humans are created in the image of God. And so, um, like Pastor Kevin Henley said, uh, um, Hunley said in, in, on, on Sunday, God is our owner. We are not our own. God owned us. God created us. And, and I want to add one thing to what he said. God designed us. And so as the designer, he knows the best way we're supposed to function. Uh, especially when it comes to this area of sexuality. And so just like Steve Jobs designed the, uh, the iPhone and he knew the best way to use the iPhone because he designed it, um, and just like uh, you, you know um, Henry Ford designing the car, he knew how the car was supposed to be used. The same way God designed the human being, he knows the best way the human being functions. Um, and so just so wonderful that right away something that is so dear to our culture today human rights something we're trying to figure out 
um, how to how to live out. It's on the first page of the Bible. And everywhere that Christianity has reached, human rights has gone up. Um, uh, rights for women have gone up because of this page or because of this this verse. And to even clarify that even more, after the flood, um, God says to Noah and makes this decree in, in Genesis chapter 9, it says um, that, that you can eat meat of animals. After the flood, it says they can eat um, it says, I, um, it says, I will, you know, it says, uh, I give every, every animal, um, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. So in Genesis chapter nine, there is the, uh, God condones eating meat, which is good because I like a good steak, but it says, um, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. And then you have this kind of poetic uh, uh, verse here in verse 6, 9 verse 6. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall, shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. So no one should shed human blood because in the image of God, God has made mankind. So again, he's going back to Genesis chapter 1, that, that nobody should hurt a human being emotionally, physically, sexually, no matter what their age or their gender or their race, because every human being is made in the image of God. That gives us ground to, to have outrage when, when there's all these shootings going on. That gives us grounding uh, to, to, to protect women and, and, and children. That gives us grounding um, when it comes to the issue of abortion, and and um, it, it, it really gives us grounding. Now, what's kind of interesting is I was listening to Pastor Tim Keller on a, on a podcast the other day, and he was saying um, when it comes to churches, usually uh, there, there's four issues that the Bible talks about when it comes to how we should treat human beings. It says, um, you know, should protect life. So, you know, that, that, that rules out any kind of abortion or euthanasia. You should protect human life. It also says that, that you should protect marriage because marriage is where human life flourishes and, and be sexually pure. So those are two main issues. But it also says um, we should love the poor. We should take care of the poor because that's a human being. That human being deserves um, protection. So, so look after the poor. And then number four... Um, Racism is totally uh, uh, called out, um, that, that it needs to be faced and, and dealt with. Now, sometimes these, these four ideas align with one political party or another, right? Um, abortion and marriage um, you know, seems to be one, one side of the, the extreme, and then the other side of the extreme is you know, focusing on poverty and race. But to be a biblical Christian... We care about all four. We care about um, uh, people, um, their life. They want to want to protect life, and then uh, we want to. We care about biblical sexuality. That marriage is between one man and one woman uh, for life. That's that's what the Bible says. We also care about the poor as a Christian because that's a human being, and and we want to care about people who who need to be taken care of or or have some sort of uh, um, issue when it comes to poverty. And then racism, uh, we want to clearly 
call out racism and, and fight to stop it. And that's that doesn't put us in a clear category in our society today because um, Christianity looks at, at the whole person. So it's just like maybe a side idea, but just when it comes to um, human rights, that's something that the Bible talks about. Okay, how are we doing here? All right. So uh, welcome, Joy Lee. Thanks for, for joining us. So now just to focus a little bit more on this idea of biblical sexuality. And again, um, feel free to join in or have any if you have any questions. But um, very again, very early in the Bible, second chapter of the Bible, uh, creates Adam and Eve and then gives a definition of marriage and says, For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Again, such dense, incredible language laying out the foundation of marriage on the second page of the Bible. So on the first page of the Bible, you lay out the, the foundation of human rights, that every human deserves to be protected and loved and encouraged. And on the second page of the Bible, uh, you lay out the definition of marriage. Marriage is uh, between one man and one woman. Now, that's challenged today. People say, well, that's oppressive. You know, that's... Um, and." Uh, that, that marriage is the leaving of a mother and father uniting with the spouse and becoming one flesh. One flesh uh, where, where you are joined together for life. And, and many people say, oh, that's too old-fashioned. That's oppressive. You know, um, if I love a person, wh why do I need a piece of paper uh, before I have sex with them? Why do I need, um, why do I need to be married why can't we just try this out? Why can't we, um, you know, if I love the person, uh, shouldn't I be able to do what I want? Well, I thought Pastor Kevin Hunley did a great job of talking about what love actually is, according to the Bible. And he went to Romans 13 as we were kind of looking at Romans as a way to answer our question. So I'm going to just read from Romans 13 and just kind of talk about this a little more. And again, your comments are welcome. I'm looking on here. I'm watching uh, you guys pop pop up here. And, and if you have any comments or questions or things you'd like to add, uh, please, please uh, speak up now. And, and I'll add those as I'm teaching here. But Romans 13 says this. Um, at, uh, the first half of Romans is, is Paul laying out the, the reality that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we've been justified, declared innocent in Jesus Christ. And now starting in Romans 12, it says, therefore, therefore, based on everything that God has done for us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Therefore, based on everything God has done for us, now live for God. Okay. And so welcome, welcome, Alex. Uh, so, so this is kind of in that section, the second half of Romans, that's, that's now our response to God's love. And, he, and so Romans 13 verse 8 says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So God has, God has loved us so much, we are always in debt to him. He's loved us with this unconditional love, and now we are in debt uh, to love him and to love others. He says, For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. 
And do this, understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because the sel- our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, let's just kind of dive into that. Pastor Kevin Hunley said there are different ways to talk about love in the Greek language. There's uh, phileo, uh, that, that kind of friendship love. There's storge, a a kind of familial love. There's eros, that erotic love, that that passionate love of of just fulfilling whatever desires we have. And then there's agape. And that's the word that he uses here. Agape is the love that God has for us. The love that, that is committed. The love that's saying, I'm ready to make a sacrifice for you. That's really love. I mean, that's what we see in the movies. That's what the great love songs say. You know, I will, you know, I'll, I'll cross the, the desert for you. I'll give up my life for you. That's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the real deep kind of love. And, and that's the love that is uniquely expressed in a marriage. And that's what makes marriage such a beautiful picture of God's love. When, when a person gets married, they're saying, I'm going to be committed to you in sickness or health, good times or bad, better or worse. I'm going to be committed to you. And that's, that's what makes marriage different. Now, this kind of casual idea of living together or, or, or sex outside of marriage, it's saying, I want your body, but I don't want you to touch my bank account. I'm ready. I want your body, but I don't want uh, to make a sacrifice. I'm not ready to become completely one flesh to, to, to give you access to my home, my bank account, my life, my time. I still want an exit door. Now, I got to be sensitive to this because there's a lot of issues around this. Um, um, first of all, let me say this. Being committed in a marriage does not... Um, does not make abuse okay. I've heard uh, many people, uh, especially men would say stuff like this, like the Bible says you must submit to me. And so um, they use the biblical idea of marriage um, as a way to oppress uh, their wives. And and sometimes it goes the other way, but in all the circumstances I've seen, it's been men have used this to kind of twist it, to to take advantage of women, uh, to lord it over women. And, and that's breaking the marriage vow. And, and, and God has called us to peace. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 7. And that, that kind of, of twisting of God's word, man, I'm scared for the kind of men who do that because they're going to meet an angry God unless they repent and, abend, and amend their ways. So, so committed to the marriage, but it doesn't mean you need to stay committed in abusive situation. And work with a counselor or a pastor, especially if you're in that kind of situation and get the protection that you need. Um, some other questions or things that I've heard is that, you know, I, I, we're living together because, you know, I had a bad experience with marriage or I've only seen bad experiences. You know, my parents are divorced or other people are divorced. I'm not ready to get married yet. Um, it's not marriage. That's the problem. It's our commitment is the problem. And half doing marriage is not going to solve our problems. Um, that's. That's abuse. I mean, that's that's 
that's not that's trying to take advantage of people saying again i want your body uh but i want a way out that's not commit that's not complete commitment and i i usually use this line and i um maybe people are sick of me saying it but like you know like that beyonce song um if you like it you can put a ring on it if if you want to be with me then i need commitment i i i I really want to encourage, especially women, this incredible power that you have. You know, men are just, uh, in, in general, you know, have this, this drive, this sexual drive. And it is so powerful that, that they'll do almost anything, right? And so to, 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 for a woman to say, I am worth it, I'm worth the weight, I'm worth commitment, and I'm not going to make this easy for you. I'm not going to, I don't need to give in. And and I and that the, I know it's really difficult. That's it might be um, seem old fashioned or crazy, but 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 over and over again, you know, I, I think something I want to teach my daughters and something that is that that you're worth it, and and telling somebody that if they if they want to be with you, you know, I deserve commitment. I deserve commitment and 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 then calling men to say men you deserve or you need to learn to to lay down your life for that woman. Um that gives incredible purpose to your life. You know men especially very purpose driven. Um make it your goal to lay down your life for that woman. Uh to make the sacrifices to become a man, to get a job, to uh to become somebody that 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 this woman would be proud to marry, and and that's not an oppressive view of of an or an old fashioned. It's it's just, it's it's freeing. It's it it leads to when you have that kind of committed relationship where both people are laying down their life for the other person. When they have that kind of agape love, I'm willing to make sacrifices to you. I want to do what's best for you. I want to do what uh, what what makes your life flourish, that's when marriage is, is completely wonderful. Um, there's so much more I want to talk about here. Uh, I, I really would recommend Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, talks about the importance of commitment, talks about uh, how marriage is, is this incredible discipleship tool. Because human beings, we are so selfish. We are so selfish. And when you get married, um, it's not about you anymore. And when you get married, um, every day it's like this mirror that you you can see your flaws, you can see how selfish you are, and and it, and you have to you you go back to that same bedroom, that same uh, house where that spouse is, and you have to learn to change. You have to learn to become less selfish, to become more like Christ. Uh, when it comes to other relationships like friendships or work relationships, you know, if you have a challenging situation at work, you can get a new job. If you have a challenging situation with a friendship, you know, you can just kind of take a break. But when it comes to marriage um, and, and you recognize how selfish you are and how much you need to change, marriage is this place where, where it forces you uh, to become more of a discipled person, to, to, to lay down your life, to, to make sacrifices for the good of the other person, which is so healthy. And all of this, Paul says, is a picture of the gospel. That you would not gratify your own sinful nature, uh, but you would learn to love the other person. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, that, that a healthy marriage is supposed to be a picture.
picture of the gospel, a picture of the gospel of how Christ laid down his life for us. And so we want to lay our lives down, life down for one another. And Pastor Kevin Hunley brought that out, that, that the, the Bible begins with a marriage, Adam and Eve, and it ends with a marriage uh, with Christ and his church. Christ, the bridegroom, and the bride being the church. And this eternal wedding banquet in the renewed heavens and the renewed earth. So it's it's all about um, what's so important, why we want to continue to hold on to the biblical principle of marriage between one man and one woman and and no sex outside of marriage is because not because it's old uh, you know it's oppressive or anything like that the reason why to hold on to that is because it's a picture of the gospel it's a picture of Christ and his church and it's worth um it, it's worth dying for it's worth living living out uh, because it's an incredible visual for the gospel so again i um just wanted to say you don't need to be embarrassed of the Bible. You don't need to be intimidated by maybe some one-liners that you hear out there that the Bible is oppressive to women or the Bible is judgmental about sex and sexuality or, or that we can't um, fully commit to God and his word. Um, you might have heard that, but the more you look at the Bible, you, the, the more you see that, that the Bible elevates human beings um, gives incredible dignity and respect to human beings, that if we would um, live up to what God says about marriage and sexuality, we wouldn't have needed a Me Too movement. Um, all those kinds of things. But because we are in a broken world and because these things happen because of our own selfishness, uh, we need to repent of sexual sin. We need to repent of a low view of marriage. We need to repent of all the garbage that that, that we watch and is promoted on TV and YouTube and this billion dollar uh, organ uh, of, of, of pornography, industry of pornography and, and, and really uh, ridiculing God's definition of, of marriage. When you repent of that and return to this glorious, beautiful picture of what God says about sex and sexuality. Maybe one final thing, you know, um, if you ever think that God is a prude or God is anti-sex or things, uh, there's a whole book that's ded dedicated to the the, the the joy of sex inside of a marriage called The Song of Songs. It means the best the best love song of, of songs written by S Solomon. It's the it's the, uh, the 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 top love song, Song of Songs. Um, and it's all about the, the romantic relationship in the, the safety and the joy of, of a marriage. And, and Solomon wrote that. So, all right. I'm not seeing any comments. I, hopefully this was helpful. Thank you again for joining. Um, uh, just as a church, hopefully you've seen Pastor Bill's announcement that we're, we're looking for ways to reopen. We are continuing in need of, of volunteers so that we can open in a very safe way. So if you haven't already consider volunteering, becoming part of our maybe uh, clean crew or, or, uh, or, or uh, volunteers when it comes to ushers or greeters, um, you know, consider joining that. Uh, we, we're looking for more and more volunteers and uh, really care about you guys. Uh, so it's been great to share God's word with you. Um, why don't I uh, close with a prayer if there's nothing else that you want to talk about? Thank you, Amy, for, for your kind words. All right, let's pray. Lord God, uh, you made us, you designed us, you understand, obviously, this, this beautiful gift of sex and sexuality, 
not only to bring a husband and wife together, but also uh, to bring new life into this world. Um, but Lord God, sometimes it gets out of control. Uh, we, we take it outside of the the safe, secure bonds of marriage and, and we take it out of there. And like a wildfire, it can burn up our house and burn up our lives and destroy us. So forgive us of all of our sins. Forgive us our sins and then help us to put this fire of sex back in its proper place, the fireplace of, of, of marriage, um, uh, that, that it can warm up our homes, that it can, that it can lead to new life, and, and that it can um, bring husbands and wives together. Lord God, I pray for all of the, the men and women who've been sexually abused. I pray for all those who are struggling with same-sex attraction. I pray for all those who, um, who've been confused on this topic. Lord God, I pray that you would give all of us the Holy Spirit and give us guidance, give us hope, give us cleanse us, uh, give us hope and renewal. Show us the way that you want us to go. Help us to 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 honor your word, to be um, to love your word, and to be totally convinced that you speak the truth. Lord God, we thank you for the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus, and we pray that we would reflect your love in our marriages and our lives and everything that we do. In your name, we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Uh, reach out to me if you have any questions or comments, and uh, we'll see you uh, See you next week. We'll continue to do this if, if you guys keep showing up. All right. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.